This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Darien and Burbank. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into a very special We Still Exist and We're Still Here edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago and with me as always is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski. Jay, I dragged my happy butt out of bed on a Sunday morning to talk hockey with these good people. And there's barely anything to talk about. What gives, man? Why are you making me do this? <laughs> no, I know. We're getting, and it's funny, I'm getting uh, people yelling at me like, where's the podcast? What exactly do you want us to talk about? <laughs> we promised we'd do one once a week-ish, and we're doing it today, so. Well, when was the last time we did one? last what we did one last week yeah i, know. I, I just don't remember one. what day uh let me check let me check the podcast uh files and see what it was well, Jay, while jay's doing that i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna mention to you folks that even though we're having a little bit of fun at the expense of those who are being impatient we do appreciate the fact that people want to hear what we have to say about god knows what so we we do uh, appreciate you guys' listenership, and we just appreciate you in general. So we're, we're just having a little bit of fun here. We're getting to that point in the hockey offseason already where just not a lot going on in the NHL. We do have Blackhawks uh, prospect camp coming up this week. Definitely go out to uh, Johnny's West if you want to go uh, see some of the future Blackhawks in action. Blackhawks convention is this coming weekend, so... We're going to find stuff to talk about, dang it. That's how it works. Yeah, because we don't have a choice. It, was our last one July 4th? That doesn't seem right. I feel like we've done one since then. But I could be wrong. I feel like we have I feel like we have two, but yeah. what do I know? Oh, wait, no, it is because we had recorded on July 3rd, and then we couldn't use it, so we had to re-record on July 4th. Uh, yes. Yeah, that, that was it. And that was the sacrifice that we made for you people. Be grateful. Yeah. Come on, jerks. No, anyway, we do appreciate you <laughs> wanting us to do it. So, um, yeah, there, so there are a couple things to discuss. Let's start with, um, I guess, the newsiest item of the week is that Eric Gustafson is back, re-signed. I don't know if it's a big surprise, um, but this sort of – it leads me to thinking, like – and I don't know if I would think any differently had the signing not happened, but um, are they content with this D? Is this kind of what it's going to be? I, I really – it's July 16th. I know free agency was started two weeks ago, which isn't a big deal. But it feels like almost everyone of note is gone. Um, I'll get into a, something I heard yesterday um, in a little bit here. But I don't know. If this is the D, this is not a good team, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I've expected something else to happen. And I know the Hosa thing is holding things up a bit. But I thought there would be a veteran in the fold a little bit at least. And uh there's really been nothing, and it doesn't seem like anything's imminent either. Well, yeah, the problem is you go into the 
offseason with an already weak D, and then you trade away Nick Chalmerson, and you have to lose Trevor Van Riemsdyk for basically nothing because of the expansion draft, and all of a sudden, your defense that wasn't all that great to begin with is, like you said, this is not a playoff caliber defense right now, and I think that that's not a stretch to say that. This is probably the the team the roster looking at it right now this is probably the weakest roster they have had since Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves came into the league as rookies I I feel like that's not a stretch to say that it's the reality of the NHL that they just don't have the salary cap room and the Marion Hosa thing isn't helping but you look at the offense it's like maybe if guys like step up like if you get like an Alex DeBrincat have a breakout season if Brandon Side kind of rejuvenates Jonathan Taves if Patrick Sharp can catch lightning in a bottle and score 20-25 goals that can work this defense on the other hand yeah you've got Duncan Keith and yeah I think Connor Murphy has gotten kind of a bum rap from some people and I think that he could end up being fairly solid but once you get into Brent Seabrook, who you really, you have to say is on the downside of his career, it's just a matter of how. Yeah, that is, uh, that's kind of apropos that. What was that? That was my alarm clock, apparently. Wake yeah. up. Chelsea Dagger, man. That was hey. off-putting. It was very distorted and satanic sounding. Why do you think it wakes me up? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Good plan by you. Yeah, um, but but you yeah you look at your Brent Seabrook, you're not really sure how steep the slope is on his decline, and then after that, just question mark after question mark. You really, really aren't a lot of answers on that blue line. It's really uh kind of weird. The Blackhawks haven't addressed it at all, and like you said, what are they gonna do? There isn't really that. There really aren't that many people left on the market. Well, it's interesting you say that because. I got in a discussion this week with uh, Satchel Price of Second City Hockey and a couple other people. Um, I think the, it started all about Brian Campbell and if the Hawks would consider maybe bringing him back around camp or maybe wants to host a thing aside, and maybe there's like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge sort of agreement to make that happen. Um, and, and Satchel brought up the name of Cody Franson, uh, who played with Buffalo last year, had a strong course a year. Now, he's not a fast defender by any means but he's right-handed he's a positive Corsi player pretty much wherever he goes whatever he does um and it might be a better fit for what the hawks need uh so i asked uh, one of my sources and said hey uh, what about this name just kind of curious like yeah um that might be a guy that gets a camp invite um should he not have a deal by then so i think what that tells me is the hawks are definitely interested in him but they probably feel like at this point they're not going to be able to sign him for what they'd like. If he makes it to September without a deal, the Hawks will invite him to camp, and that theoretically would mean he would sign a lesser deal than he would today or next week or something like that. And this is not unprecedented. You might remember in 2010, Brent Sopel, when the Hawks signed Brent Sopel, he was coming off a tryout deal with the Red Wings. The Red Wings brought him into camp without a contract. Played pretty well. They thought about signing him, but the Hawks jumped in and signed him first, uh, and he was a contributor to a Stanley Cup. So these sort of things happen where these veteran players that are not superstars but are good, solid players, um, as they move on in their career, they keep getting contracts, they keep getting raises, and they sort of price themselves out of the market just because the combination of age and price um, make it tougher to justify giving those guys that kind of money. We're not talking about, you know, um, Duncan Keith towards the end of his career. We're talking about more of like Brent Sopel is a great example of a guy who was very solid, uh, middle pairing defenseman, could hold his own definitely, um, but, you know, probably had, had accomplished too much to give him a cheap deal, but probably was at the stage in his career where he didn't justify a huge deal. So that's sort of how I see the Cody Franzen thing going now. Would I be surprised if he signed with another team? No. Do I think that he could end up with the Hawks? Yes, but I wouldn't say, you know, start printing your jerseys now or or don't get mad at Sam Bowman if it doesn't happen. I think it's just something they're considering. One of the names you're looking at in that sort of a fit 
of, uh, okay, you know, we're looking for a veteran defenseman. This guy could, if he falls through the cracks here, uh, end up being cheap and useful for us. So just uh, just a name to keep an eye on. If they signed him today, would I be mad? No, I, I think Cody Franzen would be a really good fit. I just don't think the Hawks see it as a financial uh, thing they should pursue um, at this point. It could be, like I said, closer to camp. I think it can make a lot more sense because you probably get 500 k to a million dollars less than he may expect to sign right now, if that makes sense. All I heard you say in the last few uh, moments here was, A, uh, Cody Franzen is going to sign with the Blackhawks, play here for a year, and then get traded to Atlanta. <laughs> and B, B, I also heard you say that Cody Franzen is a really good possession player and that the Blackhawks, if they were to look at him, likely could get him on a cheaper deal coming up, going into training camp. And there, and there was a question that I had for you, and I freely admit when I have not watched much of a player – because I feel like it's a lot better than trying to like just toss out platitudes about how the guy works hard and he'd be a good locker room guy or whatever the heck else. I haven't watched Cody Franz in a whole heck of a lot recently. Have you? No, I mean just basically when his team would be on or playing against the Blackhawks or on television in those rare nights where I'm at home locked and loaded on a hockey game that's not the Blackhawks. Um, but my thoughts of him are positive. And as I've... As this name has come out, I've sort of looked into things here, and Satchel Price did a really good job breaking it down on secondcityhockey.com. He actually wrote it, uh, it looks like this morning or late yesterday. Um, last season with the Sabres, posted a 50.7% 5-on-5 Corsi, which was 5.2% higher than when he was on the bench. That's pretty good. Um, that is pretty good. Also posted 0.9 points and 4.5 shots on goal per 60 uh, as I'll a, take that, too. As a comparison, Brent Seabrook was .8 and 3.8, respectively. So, uh, And Franz is a guy who saw some power play time as well. So, uh, again, an established veteran player um, who I think the market is trying to is probably having trouble pricing at, that, at this mm -hmm. point, saying, okay, what is this guy really worth? And uh, if he makes it, maybe he'll be a Blackhawk. I think that'd be great. Um, but... I, I think that's that's not eminent. If if it gets to camp without a deal, uh, I think Cody France would be a fool to not accept the Hawks invite for a tryout there. I think uh, I think it was Sean Tierney uh, pointed out that on Twitter, like that he couldn't believe Cody Franzen is still a free agent. And if you've got guys kind of in the advanced stats community who are like, "Why is this guy not signed yet?" Generally, that might be a safe, like, kind of gamble if you want to give him the money. And as we know, the Blackhawks are allowed to exceed the salary cap by 10% during the offseason. They only have to be cap compliant once the season starts. I would maybe consider jumping the market just a little bit on him and maybe offering him $1.25 million instead of $1 million. I think I'd rather have Cody Franz in on that kind of a deal and gamble on with that kind of production and possession number behind it than I would say giving a million dollars to Brian Campbell. I think you're right, and I think what we saw last year, Brian Campbell playing on his offside a lot last year, just sort of out of necessity. And um, I, I think you're right. It probably is a better fit, especially looking into what Satchel's written, looking into some of the numbers. By the way, uh, last season, I just cleared cap friendly because I'm stupid, uh, he made $3.325 million. That was his cap hit. So 1.2 seems pretty optimistic for me. Um, yeah. It'd be great, obviously. Uh, he's 29 years old right now, um, so he's still got some good hockey left in him. Um, but I, I think 1.2 is probably a little bit unrealistic. I, but, of course, the closer you get to camp, the more real that becomes because he's got no deal. So that's the sort of guy you could say, sign me for a year. I'm going to bet on myself or say, give me a deal, you know, sort of laden with incentives. And if I hit these marks, then I get more money. Uh, probably be a combination of both where the base salary would be, like you said, 1.2, 1.7, somewhere in there with some decent incentives in there that can maybe even double the deal. Um, again, though, if it's a one year deal with incentives and he hits them, that's another whatever those bonuses are that would count on the cap for next year. Um, so those are things the Hawks have to consider. But I'm sold. The Hawks are going to get Cody Franzen, and I'm going to order my Cody Franzen jersey from Triple Threat Sports, the best place in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered. But did you also know 
They're also the best place to go if your team needs jerseys. Whether you're an elite travel, high school, or college program that needs outfit hundreds of kids, or if you're a beer and pizza league team with 12 players, Triple Threat can put you in pro-quality jerseys at pricing you can afford. Triple Threat Sports can work with you on every aspect of the job. Logo design, fitting, apparel for off-ice, you name it, and you don't have to be a hockey player to wear uniforms from Triple Threat. Then get uniforms and apparel for all sports, baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, and more. So for more info, call Chris at 708-478-6090. That's 708-478-6090. Or email him for more info at chris at triplethreadsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. When we come back, we will discuss the upcoming Blackhawks prospects camp and then look ahead and make our predictions for what's going to happen at the Blackhawks fan convention that also begins next weekend. Stick around. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay and I were uh, off air having a lovely discussion about the differences between being drunk and drinking. And because last night, uh, Jay and I both enjoyed adult beverages, not together, unfortunately, because Jay doesn't like hanging out with me outside of podcast uh, sanctioned events. But that's right. We both ended up going out. (laughs) Yep. We went out, had a good time last night. And uh, yeah, it's kind of I guess we should have called this the hangover edition of the Mad Out Chicago Hockey Podcast because it's been a bit of a rough morning, even though I didn't drink that much last night. You still, when you get to be my age, kids, you start to feel it. Stop it. Your age. (laughs) What are you, like 30? Ridiculous. 32. Ridiculous. Yeah, I I went out two nights in a row, which is not normal for me. Um, So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling it a little bit. We're doing okay, though. We're we're slogging through this. I think it sounds good. Um, Anyway, Prospects Camp next week. Um, very exciting, exciting time of year. And, uh, I think, you know, sincerely, I'm really looking forward to this because finally you're going to have some important players, you know, competing for positions at camp. And, um, you know, the, the names you expect will be there, Alex Debrinkit, um, you know, Graham Knott, all those guys that have been sort of a Frederick Olofsson, all these guys that have sort of been on the horizon for years, Luke Snuggerud, Darren Radish, who just signed. Um, I'm excited to see uh, who steps out, who stands out, and uh, I really expect the story of Prospects Camp to be how much better Alex DeBrincat is than everyone he's playing against. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's ironically the uh, discussion that I had with the sports producer over at NBC. We were talking about who we were going to target and who everybody was going to target to talk to on Monday. And we all, we pretty much agreed that this is going to be the Alex DeBrincat show where everyone's going to be paying attention to him. And rightfully so. He's like one of the most electrifying talents in the entire NHL. People really are talking about him across the league. It's kind of cool. Like if you uh, follow a good uh, variety of folks on Twitter, you know that especially uh, Canadian folks, they love love Alex DeBrincat. They have thrilled to his exploits as a member of, what, he plays for the Erie Otters, right? In the, uh, yeah. So, they have thrilled to his exploits as he has run roughshod over that league. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see him against some of the other uh, best prospects that the Blackhawks have to offer. And I think this is going to be his first opportunity to really make some noise on the big stage and i'm really looking forward to uh seeing what he can do but to that point i think that if you're going to this and i again would encourage anybody who has the opportunity this week to go i definitely would go out there because prospect camp's a lot of fun it's kind of cool seeing all these guys in the same place and it's the middle of summer you're not thinking hockey but let me assure you when it's as hot as it's going to be outside this week, you're going to want to go inside that ice rink and check this out. It's a lot of fun. And there will be guys like Luke Snuggerud and Graham Knott that you're going to want to check out because those are the guys that are going to be the sleepers to make this roster when September rolls around. And you'll already have that base of knowledge from seeing them. And that's a good feeling. That's always a good feeling when you kind of see a guy in an environment like this and you kind of... Get the jump on your friends. Yeah. That's always a, that's always a really good feeling. Well, if you want to attend, um, they begin Monday, th- this coming Monday, tomorrow, the 17th. 
uh, and run approximately from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Those will be drills and things like that. And then Friday, around 9.30 a.m., they're going to hold a scrimmage. Um, that's all at Johnny's Ice House West on Madison Street. So go there, check it out. It's free. Um, no reason to worry about having to buy tickets or anything like that. And what's cool is a lot of the Hawks brass is just sort of lingering around. Like Joel Quenville just kind of sits in the bench on the bleachers and watches the players with all the fans. They're roped off a little bit. But when once things are done, they're pretty accessible. So if you want to go check out Prospects Camp, it's a good time. And then we've got the fan convention coming up uh, this weekend where everyone always predicts a big signing will be announced and then it seems like it never happens. Can you believe it's already the 10th one? That's crazy. Yeah. I, uh, that the Hawks have mattered for 10 years. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Have you... That, how much do you go every year? Uh, I have been to one as a fan and i've been to i think two as a member of the media and i'm going to be going to my third on friday nice i will be are you going to the media social thing that they're doing i'm going to the media social thing i will see you there my friend i'm going to i will get to, i will get to whack you in the head with an nbc5 microphone i'm doing stuff for the tv side on friday well, that's exciting i'll be doing some work for the show um so meeting some people and getting some stuff done for the Spiegel and Parkin show. So it should be a good time. And maybe if me and you can find a moment alone with a player, we can grab a quick interview. But I know we're both on the clock for other stations. So, yeah, that kind of complicates things a little bit. But we'll see. I'm not going to rule anything out. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun. And I think it's funny. Cubs convention and Hawks convention. Everyone's like, what's going to be the big news? There's usually not. I know Kerry Wood came out of that. Uh, what year was that? His last year where he retired yeah. midseason and it was an awesome moment, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't recall anything else, like, big happening at the convention. Like, we've signed this guy. The, at least the Hawks have never done anything like that, right? Am I correct? Well, the Cubs last year sort of had a convention surprise. They uh, The Cubs signed Jake Arrieta to a pretty sizable one-year deal when the convention started. It was literally... I was standing in line at the hotel when I got the text like, oh, by the way, the Cubs signed Jake Arrieta to like a one-year deal worth, you know, umpteen bajillion dollars. Yeah. So, so, I mean, other than outside of something like that, no, I don't really, I don't really remember any big surprises. Well, I'm sure we're missing something, but it's, it feels like every year people expect it to happen and it doesn't. So I would not expect um, Brian Campbell or Cody Franzen or whatever it is to join the Hawks at the convention. But you never know. You never know. John McDonough likes to pull crap like that all the time. So uh, Marion Hosa is officially on long-term injured reserve. <sighs> Blow off Woo! some confetti and streamers and stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if Hosa will be there. That'll be interesting. I I don't have a list in front of me. Um. He usually doesn't go, does he? I think he's been to a handful of them. Not every one of them by any means but i think he's been to a handful of them before yeah i know that like some of the guys from europe they tend to they, they tend to be hit and miss when it comes to going so yeah i don't know it's a good question whether he'll be there or not maybe that'll be the surprise maybe he'll maybe he'll come out like i don't know red and nude because he can't wear hockey equipment <laughs> they should really play it up yeah like have him like come out like with his arms up like oh i'm so rashy yeah uh and then like, like they and then have, like, like, have a... them like try to hand him like his hockey gear and he like hits him with his stick or something they have like a rub the cortisone on marion game yeah where like he stands there you know shirtless we'll keep his pants on because it's a family event yeah and you can just rub some cortisone on your hands and just rub it on Marion wherever you want, you know? <laughs> I would sign up for that. Yeah, I feel like that'd be like a hot new toy craze that would sweep America. A, a cortisone-rubbed hosa. Yeah, let's do that. Instead of, tic we'll like instead of tickle me elbow. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a special edition of those McFarlane, like those super accurate sports figures. Yes. You're like, oh, this Wayne Gretzky's got a white jersey on. This Marion host is shirtless and he's rashy and you can rub some lotion on him and the rash will go away. I think we've just invented something, my friend. Yeah, I think John Pen pending. John McDonough probably is listening to this podcast right now going, damn, those guys are even more devious than I am. Slamming his table, firing people for not thinking of it. <laughs> Take that, McDonough. And Jay Blunk, of course. Well, you, you can't you, mention John McDonough 
Yeah. Without mentioning Jay Blunk. You can't Forgive mention us. one without the other. It's kind of a package deal. And obviously, right. we're not... <laughs> disclaimer. We're not making light of what Marion Host is going through. But when you get to July, you got to say something. I am making light of it. Fine. Go it's, ahead. It's horrible, and it's my only way of coping with my favorite player no longer being a Blackhawk. That's so, a good point. I'm doing it for my benefit, not to rip him. In fairness, I can go with that. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt your stance. That's a really good one. All right. Well, after you rub some lotion on Marion Hosa, you're gonna want you're gonna want to rinse your hands off and take the long drive from downtown to Crest Hill to visit our friends at Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, just west of Route 53. 815-723-9371. Like we say in the intro every day. Family owned and operated at the same location since 1933. Outstanding steaks, burgers. They're famous for their poor boy sandwich, which is just the most amazing thing you'll ever consume. They serve the highest quality steak, seafood, and chops, and numerous homemade items made fresh in-house, including their giant onion rings and the football-sized double-baked potatoes. The Icelandic cod hand-cut on premises is always delicious. They've got a full carryout menu, a great bar, Loaded with all the craft beer you'd ever want. They can accommodate banquets for uh, with groups up to 110 people. So visit marishkas.com or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. Open seven days a week and close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So visit our friends at Marishkas. And when we come back, we will answer your emails on the Blackhawks offseason. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with two locations in Burbank, 6501 West 79th Street. That's 79th and Natchez, my friend. And in Darien, 8025 South Cass Avenue. Cass Avenue, just north of I-55. Chuckscafe.com for a list of their specials, their locations, everything you need to know, their menus. They've got the best in barbecue, Mexican, and Cajun fare. My favorites, the Cochinita Pabil, the barbecue nachos, the world's best jambalaya, and the amazing Chicago wings. I just mash it all up into a big bowl and just eat it all at the same time. It's delicious. Uh, Their daily specials, always incredible. And there is something for everyone at Chuck's, like I say every week. My mom likes to eat like basically just chicken fingers and mac and cheese every meal of her life. She loves going to Chuck's. They've got something for everyone, whether you have a very advanced palate or you're a basic biatch. Uh, you can go to Chuck's and find what you need. They've got a great bar, uh, dozens of craft beers, ever-rotating beer menu, catering, banquets, and more. They've appeared on Chicago's Best and Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, so check those out on YouTube. And the Chicago's Best episode also has our friends at Marishka's on the same one. But visit Chuck's Cafe or follow them on Twitter at Chuck's Cafe. The email segment, my friend, are you ready to go? I think we need to get to Chuck's for a friggin' listener event. That's all I'm saying. It's gonna happen. That is my that is my task at hand this week. I will make it happen. I promise you. Good. By the way, you have a hundred dollars coming your way, Woo-hoo! courtesy of Chuck Money! James. Check your check your Google wallet later. Yeah. When I remember to do it. Okay. First email from a Jijin Fatburger. That's how he signs it this week. That guy. He said Fatburger. Yeah. I did not. He said, I know this is a wrong podcast. He's talking about the I'm Fat podcast <laughs> uh, that <laughs> me and Rick Camp have that's not real, but it will be. We're going to have our fr- We've figured out the content of our first episode is going to be Qdoba versus Chipotle. I expect it to be a very, very short podcast because I will st- mud stomp Rick Camp because anyone who says Qdoba is better than Chipotle is an idiot. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so. Fatburger says... Uh, I had to share my food shame story. I once wanted to get myself and my wife DQ. I had a hankering for a dipped cone, but also a blizzard. So I ordered both and ate the cone on a ride home so my wife wouldn't leave me for being a slob. <laughs> also, my coworkers found out about the podcast and were cry laughing at the name Gingenburger. Gingenburger. I'm glad we could help you there. I have an equally shameful food story. Uh, yesterday, I had the day to myself. For Mother's Day... Slash Addie's birthday, I got Addie and Hope tickets to go see Aladdin downtown. So they had made a whole day of it. Addie got her hair cut at my uh, cousin's salon. They went to American Girl store, had a nice dinner, went to the play. So I was alone all day. So I went to Target, and I got those Chips Ahoy Thins. Have you had these? I have not. 
Oh my God, my friend, you have to get them. They're amazing. And they're healthy because they're thin. Anyway, I ate a whole row. <laughs> you know, like it's a, you know, chips Ahoy are. They're like six rows of five or whatever it is. Yep. So when I got home, I'm like, ah, I don't want to hope to know I ate an entire row of cookies. So I like went to other rows and like picked one out from each and then put a couple in the front row so it didn't look like I ate wow. the uh, front row. Yeah. Yeah. This, these are fat guy things. These are the things we do to hide our shame. So you can laugh at us, but just know it's it's the struggle is real, okay? The struggle is real. I mean, I can't say anything. I literally had a Lucky Charms uh, milkshake from Burger King three different times last week. So, I damn yeah, dude. I I've been obsessing on that pretty hard. They are pretty good. While you drink the milkshake, do you pick out the pieces that are not marshmallow? It's, yeah, you, like you. It's like, oh, let's see. We have the best elements of a Lucky Charms uh, cereal here. We're gonna make it marshmallow flavored. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna throw some chunks of cereal in there. Who eats that shit? No one. Yeah, no. Ah. no. It, it it really. I, I believe they did this too, didn't they? Lucky Charms is just like screw it. We're not gonna pretend anymore. And just released a box of marshmallows. They did a contest or something where they had limited edition where you would buy a box. And I think if you had all marshmallows, it was like this rare thing. Like they they didn't do it with every box. They made you Willy Wonka that stuff. They like made you buy umpteen bajillion boxes until you found one that didn't that had only marshmallows in it. Yeah, it would help if the non-marshmallow pieces weren't trash. Yeah, it is true. They do taste like yeah. crap. By the way, speaking of cereal, we're going to stay on this topic because Cinnamon Toast Crunch is coming out with donut holes. And I am going to eat them, and I'm going to love them. I saw those, and I'm I'm pursuing them. Yes, I am too. <laughs> and if we get them, we're going to record an entire podcast about how delicious they are. All right, now Michael Lev wants to move on to stupid hockey talk. Oh, Michael, why do you have to ruin the party, man? <laughs> he says, looking at the coach's situation, referencing, referenced a month ago or so, if a coach goes stale after a while, Trotz has one year left in Washington. If you think Hughes' time has run its course in Chicago from the 10-year window talked about, if Washington makes another early exit again, do you see Q being a possibility there? Um, I think, you know, and this is a this is probably a, a good topic for like a whole podcast topic. I wonder that if things get if they things look this year like they did last year, right? Whereas a first round exit, they look horrible in the playoffs, they look exposed in the playoffs. I feel like someone's going to go, someone's going to have to pay that price. And I wonder if it's going to be Quenville or Bowman. I would think it has to be Quenville, honestly. Boy, I feel like and I don't know if I don't know if you're wrong. I I just you know, I think both guys share blame, but I think the fan reaction of firing Quenville would mm. be catastrophic. Well, let me tell you something. If it gets to that point, the fan reaction is the thing they're not to worry the least about because that means the train is headed in the wrong direction and firing anybody isn't going to save it. It's going to be a painful ride to the bottom if it gets to that point. Yeah. Well, let's hope we don't find out. <laughs> Um, as for here, yeah. the question was if Joe Quenville is a free agent, if he'd be a fit. Look, as soon as he's available, he doesn't retire. He'll be hired the next day. I agree. Almost every team in the league would look to bring Joe Quenville in. So finding work will not be a problem. If your question is, will team, would team X have interest in Quenville? I think the answer to that is yes with every team except the Maple Leafs. Well, I think there, the, I think the question is more about fit more so than desire and, I think I think you can mold a team. Quenville has shown he can handle star power, and he yes. can get guys to buy in. So, yeah, I think he'd be a fit in Washington. I think that'd be fine. I I think see that that makes to me if I'm a Caps fan that makes all the sense in the world. That's the sort of guy you want because you've had this problem of, you know, finding ways to keep your veterans motivated. They seem to fall apart when the playoffs come, um, and I'm starting to feel like it's more just fluke than anything i don't think it's their roster is unable to win in the playoffs i don't believe it's anything like that i think hockey is just kind you. of a it's a random sport you know it's uh bounces go your way bounces don't i mean and uh the hawks have had some good fortune they've had really great teams too and of course more often than not you hope talent you know beats out luck but 
this is the kind of sport that that luck plays a role and i think that the caps are one of those teams that have that have had some bad luck go their way um do i feel sorry for them no i don't particularly love the washington capitals so great i'm happy that they haven't won a cup yet but uh i don't think it's anything like a bigger problem like this core is incapable of a championship no i don't believe that at all and i think they will get one before alexander ovechkin is done playing hockey i can go with that all right email here from mailman tom from vegas uh kind of long here basically his question is where should he and his 16 year old daughter go on the road for a hawks game he said he's been to nashville well he said he's been to la anaheim and phoenix twice uh denver um he's got some tickets for the games in vegas but again remember his daughter's only 16 so the nightlife thing is not what they're looking for and he says he understands that nashville isn't an option because they restrict ticket sales of hawks fans uh that is technically true but if you watch a game against the predators in nashville it's almost always full of hawks fans you can find Mm -hmm. a way um i don't know how really actually restrictive they are i think they they claim to be more restrictive than they are like we're not letting them in yeah and then 60 percent of the crowd is in red um yeah so i i love nashville and there is stuff to do in nashville that is not drinking believe it or not um (laughs) so you could go there with your daughter i think she'd have a really good time there's great food great culture there's good music everywhere it doesn't necessarily have to be a honky-tonk and i feel like during the day you could probably bring a 16 year old in as long as you're not and don't quote me on that don't base a trip on it (laughs) but uh i feel like i've seen some young people enjoying music in bars when they're clearly not old enough to drink as long as you're there with like a parental looking person Mm. so um i think they kind of they're a little bit lax on that but don't quote me on that uh nashville's a great time that is always the city i recommend to anyone to go check out a road game at um i had a good time in columbus uh that's got kind of a nice uh arena district around it there's stuff to do um some bars some restaurants stuff like that uh plus you've got ohio state there so it's a college town which is always cool there's always things to see and do there um tampa's warm where else have i been that's cool uh toronto was great if you can get a game in toronto or montreal has always been recommended to me some of those hockey hotbeds um, are always great places to go and see a game. So there's a couple of my recommend recommendations. What do you have, James? Whatever whatever you do, do not go to Winnipeg under any circumstances. No, why would you? Yeah, like literally you go there in October and it's still 20 degrees. Like why would you do that to yourself? Um, I, I would go with Nashville. I think that's a good idea. Columbus, I've always had a really good time when I've gone out there. Um did he mention San Jose by chance? No. I feel like that arena is one that I absolutely have to get to. The Shark Tank looks bonkers, and I really want to check it out. And so, it's really it's it's reasonably close to San Francisco too, so you could just yeah. make a day of it. Yeah, I would recommend that. All right, email here from signed John Josh. Hello, John Josh. He said, uh, "So it was either on the podcast or one of you guys Twitter that critiques Sam Bowen's ability." to negotiate trades this was based oh, on that would be on the podcast yes <laughs> this was based on how bowman handled tvr and kruger i find that hard to believe though we've seen bowman pull off some great trades in the past bowling for a third round pick shaw for two second round picks and darling for a third round pick and some others so my question is do you think bowman do you think that it's bowman's trade negotiating that's the issue or could it be that vegas wasn't all that interested in a fair bargain with the cap strangled hawks um i think my bigger issue with him has been his contracts is giving yeah, the extra yeah. five hundred thousand, extra million here or there, and throwing the no movement clause into it too. Right, and like we re- mentioned with Richard Panic, where he said, "Well, I went to negotiate, and there was no negotiation. They gave me a deal I was happy with right away." That probably shouldn't be the case, especially with a guy like Richard Panic. If and you're especially gonna, with the cap situation that you're in, right? If you're going to do that, where you're like, "Look, let's just get this done. This is what you deserve." That's reserved for Taves and Kane and Keith and guys like that. I don't think Richard Panic falls into the automatic contract deal um so that was sort of my bigger criticism with him yeah i would agree with that and i i still think that the way the trades ended up shaking out with tbr and kruger i still think they could have handled that differently i i still feel like you could have involved another team it feels like they felt like they were in between a rock and a hard place with vegas and they were so focused on getting rid of the cap it for kruger that they didn't realize that 
they could have maybe gotten an asset for either him or TBR instead. I yeah, I, we we did discuss that, and I kind of agree with it. But I, again, I don't think it's fatal. And I know there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts in these deals, uh, especially when you're seeing like a cap relief sort of a thing. So um, you know, I, I think the Hawks could not possibly um, head into next season with Marcus Kruger on the roster. So maybe they just said, look. We know we have this deal done. We're not going to mess around. We're not going to piss them off. Let's just do it and swallow hard and, and figure it out here because um, we know it's assured. We've already got kind of a handshake agreement, so let's respect that. There is value to that. There is value to doing business the right yeah. way. So, um, And that's something the Hawks kind of always do. They've got a good reputation around the league for not, uh, you know, they negotiate in good faith, I guess you would say. So, And that goes a long way. When you're trying to make a deal, a guy's going to pick up a phone sooner for you. Or they're not going to battle you so hard on something. Um, so those things matter. I know it's hard for fans to quantify. And I know it can be frustrating at the time when you look at it. And I know I was fired up about it last week too. But when you take a step back and kind of look at it long view, you can kind of – I'm not saying he's absolutely right to do it that way. I'm saying there's probably something we're not considering with this stuff. And, I, and that's sort of what I figured out was, look, they don't want to risk it. They don't want to have the chance of not moving him at all and then being totally screwed. So – um, I think there's value in the in the assuredness of that deal. And to bring it back full circle between the contract and trade elements of this, the reason it was so difficult to trade Marcus Kruger was because he got too much money in his contract. So there, Correct. there you go. And that's why they were stuck having to take in the moon uh, to move him. Yep. All right, last email of the show comes from Jacob. He says, if you could recommend a rule to be a point of emphasis for officials next year or essentially what existing rule – would you like to see called more regularly? Regularly. Um, I don't know if there's any rules not being called. What bothers me is uh, I hate the offside review. I just hate it. Just let the play happen on the ice. If the ref blows it, he misses it. I'm not big on this, like, let's be perfect all the time thing. I feel the same way in baseball, reviewing if a guy is safe or not, like, by an inch coming off the base yeah yeah i like the human element and i think offsides is a perfect example of that now i get like did that goal go in or not of course review that of course if you can review it was that home run fair or foul review it by all means but when it comes down to like a tic-tac uh you know blink of an eye kind of a judgment call by a referee or an umpire i say leave those things in there i think you know it's it's how i feel so i would like to see the offsides rule go away completely Unless there's an egregious blown call where a guy's like two feet off sides, fine. But this frame by frame was the edge of the puck over the line. But ugh, it's so dumb. And it's so it slows the game down so much. And it doesn't normally make a difference in a goal anyway, right? If a guy's skate blade is an inch over the line before the puck, that's not a super unfair advantage for the team on the attack. It's but a he's offside. But yeah, he's, but he off, is, he's but, offside. Like that. Like, what else do you want them to say? If you're offside, you're offside. But, the play but, is dead. But make the call in real time. Don't go back after a play's been made, and review it and say, "Nope, he was offside by a by an eyelash. His foot was over the line before the puck was. So we're taking this goal away." That's I'm like saying, saying we need to get rid of the internet because newspapers have been working just fine for forty years. Like I. What? I hate the mentality of we've always done it this way. Let's keep the human element. You know what? Screw the human element. The human element has cost guys perfect games. The human element has allowed teams to win games that they shouldn't have. Give me all the technology, man. The only thing I ask is that you figure out a way to consistently call the stupid rule so that you don't have blatantly offside plays getting called goals and vice versa. Like, I love the idea the execution has been crap, and they need to work on it. But give me review on it. It's fine. I think that, you know what? Sports needs that technology. You want the calls to be right. You want the games decided by fair play and correct calls and not blown calls. Because all anybody's going to talk about is that blown call. No one's going to talk about the calls that were right, and that's what you want. You want the calls to be correct. You do not want a blown call deciding anything. Well, then I want offsides adjusted then. If you're going to die on that hill, then I want offsides adjusted to where if the toe of a guy's skate is uh, is an inch over before the edge of the puck is over, that the play is blown dead. I think that it's dumb. I think it slows the game down. I think it makes literally no difference 
at the, at the end result of the play at all. Yes, of course, offside should be called. And like you said, if it's egregious, call it. Of course. But I, I think the I think the thing we need to keep coming back to is the phrase conclusive evidence. I have seen goals overturned where that was not the case at all. So I I think that you institute a limit on how long a play can be reviewed because if you can't get it right after 90 seconds, guess what? It's inconclusive. You can't do it. Well, that's so, yeah, it's totally true. Insti- institute a time limit and emphasize conclusive evidence. What you're saying with the inch off and whatever, that is very rarely conclusive. So I think that we I think we agree more than we disagree on this, but I just I think they need to emphasize that and I think that there needs to be a time limit on reviews. Well, and I think in the same spirit of what you're saying then, the broadcasts need to be equipped with the same angles they're reviewing in Toronto. 100% agree. And that's in every sport. Well, you know, they're looking at angles we don't have. Why? Why don't we have them? Somewhere, that angle is being sent back to Toronto, right? Or to New yep. York in the case of baseball. It, fine. There's got to be a way then that those same angles can be sent to the broadcast crew and we can look at the same things they are. Because that's where, as a fan, you get really frustrated. Where it's like, okay, they reviewed this and I'm still unsatisfied with the call. And apparently they've seen stuff that I haven't. Well, why can't I see that? You know, and I do you like the fact that the NHL has been proactive, like, here, and they'll tweet out a reason, like, in the incident in Chicago versus Boston, the play was blah, 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 and this is rule, blah, 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 and this is why. Fine. But I want to see it, and I want to see it in real time. And at the end of the day, for a ho- hockey fan that has a call go against them, a tweet from the NHL is not going to make them feel better. They want to see conclusive evidence that the call was made correctly, and if they are getting looks at different stuff than the fans are, they need to, and they don't have the ability for whatever reason, which I can't imagine what it would be, but if that's the case, they need to send out the evidence they used to overturn the call or confirm the call with an explanation with that video saying, here is exactly what we saw and what we decided, and that's the end of it. They need to be as transparent as they can. Are you as surprised as I am they haven't come up with some kind of technology yet where they put a chip in the puck? Um, yes, kind of. And I wonder, I think the problem might be the accuracy of it. Because yeah. you have to assume the puck's going to be, um, like, the chip would be in the middle of the puck, right? And then right. you'd have the lasers, I'm using the Dr. Evil air quote, lasers, <laughs> on the goal line. But the problem is the puck has to be totally over. So yeah. how does that technology work? See, that's, I mean, I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure they're considering yeah. it. I think that'd be a great, and it'd be cool, like, if once the puck is in, it triggers the goal light. Yep. You know, that was what I, that's exactly, exactly what I had in mind. Yeah. And then you would know for sure. Uh, I think that'd be cool, but uh, I, I, it's coming. I think they just probably need to find a way to make it work perfectly. Maybe the, the simple answer is you put the chip like along the perimeter, I don't know. Like, how would you do it? Like, you'd have to have the chip like along the perimeter of the puck. We're maybe? starting to wade into areas that we're not yes, experts. Absolutely in. not. But you have the laser at the back end of the goal line. There's step one. Now you just got to figure out the puck. All right, here. Here's my here's my answer. Uh-oh. There are. Um, so all right, I, I solved it. I hope the NHL is listening. So you put a man in the net. No, you have the puck, <laughs> and you have along around the perimeter of the puck. You have like maybe eight chips, okay? And each mark on the puck has like a color on it. So like red, yellow, purple, green, blah, blah, blah. So when you look at the review... You mean the colors of the rainbow, Jay. Yes. So when you look at the review, you can say, all right, like red was the last color to enter the net. So that's the that's the part of the chip that needed to... I don't know. This is really convoluted. And we just lost everyone. So we might as well just wrap up the podcast anyway. <laughs> No, this is some Illuminati <laughs> stuff, dude. You're wanting colors of the rainbow. You're trying to push gay rights on us. And you're pushing eight on us, which is the number of legs on an octopus. Sierra Secret Rebels. No, fan. I just figured it out. I, oh! Sincerely, oh! sincerely, sincerely. Here it is. Here's the answer. Multiple puck, mobile, multiple chips in the puck, right? But it has to be all eight have to be activated for it to be a goal. Right, because that, that would mean whatever you gay loving. No, listen. Fan. Then the whole puck is in. 
if if so as it crosses the laser or the sensor or whatever it is, each like chip is triggered, right? So like bu- 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 No, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. You're not even listening. This is a good idea. <laughs> and you're missing it. You're missing my good idea. Jerk. So if if Aww, all, so if it's all, the snowflake offended. If all eight <laughs> No, you're the snowflake cuz you're triggered by my education I'm giving you and you're just resorting to name calling. So if all eight are activated by the sensor, it's a goal. Boom, I figured it out. Thank you. Send the check my way. All right. Since James is a jerk, who's the winner of the email contest? I have a good card for him this week. <laughs> well, I almost think we have to go with that because that <laughs> that email spawned probably the weirdest conversation that we're ever going to have on this podcast ever. All right. I was going to go with Gingenburger, but no, he doesn't win I don't anything. know. Yeah, that <laughs> that he would he'd that win it, but then he'd never st- use it, just like the uh, draft tickets. Oh, womp womp. <laughs> All right, so Jacob K, congratulations for your question. Uh, you are the winner of a 1992 Wayne Gretzky Pro Set card. Holy moly! Yeah, how about wow, that? Wow, yeah. All right, congratulations, and thank you, everybody, for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Darien and Burbank. Visit chuckscafe.com. Amorishkas and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. We love them. We love you. Thank you for listening. James, have a great week, and I will talk to you next weekend. And I'm coming to Bourbon A soon, so we're going to golf. Yeah. All right, I'm man. excited, man. I'll see you soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you in the near future, hopefully with some news for once. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change. Like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat out a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale? It wouldn't be a miracle because GEICO gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail-biter. Nope. The GEICO team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, the guru of a claims team. GEICO is awesome, baby, with a capital A. GEICO. Great service without all the drama.